Hi, everybody. It's me, Goofy. <laughs> Welcome to the Fantasyland Concert Hall. Once a year, we throw a party here in town. Once a year, we turn our pants upside down. <laughs> sir, you're sir there. Yes, sir. Could you give us a little help today? Oh, yes, sir. Oh, yeah. you, wait a minute. You're Walter Cronkite. That, that's the way it is. Hold on, Walter. Can you just a moment? Little orange bird. Little orange bird. In the sunshine tree. In the sunshine tree. Horizons 1 is now departing. Our final destination today. W. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 705, and together, as we have been for over 18 years, we're going to celebrate the magic of the Disney parks, movies, Marvel, Star Wars, and more here on the podcast, my weekly live video on Facebook, events, blog, and more. Please be sure to join the community, subscribe to the podcast, and find everything else at www.radio.com. So this week, we're going to continue our musical tour of Disney's Hollywood Studios, from big bands to themes from the screens to background music from a galaxy far, far away to some of our favorite shows and attractions. We'll talk about the impact of the musical, place setting, mood, emotion, and more. Stay tuned for our Disney Trivia Question of the Week, where you can enter for a chance to win a Disney prize package, more updates, and your voicemails at the end of the show. And if you like what you hear, please share the show and tell a friend. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. We're going to continue on our musical tour of Disney's Hollywood Studios from where we left off last week at the end of Sunset Boulevard. We're going to backtrack down Sunset Boulevard to the hub of Disney's Hollywood Studios and the Echo Lake area. Enjoy. All right, let's move from Sunset because I could and obviously we just did spend all day there over to Echo Lake where, again, you start to... The the transition happens from the... 40s big band a little bit more and and I think it sort of stays in the the horns and the brasses and the strings but into a little bit more of the 50s and 60s right and you start to see you know Min and Bill's Dockside Diner and and now it's a little bit I don't want to say disjointed but you've got you know Min and Bill's there and you've got American Idol experience and the the atmosphere is a little bit more muddled as it were but there still is some great instrumental music when you can hear it right because there's a lot of yeah. sort of stuff there's a lot of sort of a lot happening in that area all at the, the the same time but i remember and and i haven't been i haven't been to and paid close attention but i remember hearing music from citizen kane and music from close encounters and kids look it up find it somewhere like the seventh voyage of sinbad which i watched a gazillion times it's like a harryhausen thing you know as a kid and even music like from aliens and obviously as you start to get closer you'll start hearing music from indiana jones and temple of doom yeah i i have to be honest i mean echo lake is the one area that it's just i haven't i don't have a, a true memory or connection to the music in that area. I'm not saying that it wasn't there. I just, I'm just saying, I just have trouble remembering. I do remember Indiana Jones music. I do remember, uh, I think I remember Citizen Kane too. So I remember it being there, but I just, I think I just associated with another part of maybe a still part of, uh, the, you know, closer to Hollywood. I'm not quite sure, but yeah, I, I don't have a lot to contribute in this one because it's, except for when it was a holiday overlay, which I absolutely loved. <laughs> And I do want to just throw out a shout out. I know we're past the holidays, but I absolutely adore what they do at holidays in all of the parks. So we don't have to go into that. Well, because it's that, it's again, it's that nostalgic, retro, sentimental look. I I look at some of those holiday decorations. I'm like, I'm at my grandmother's house because, you know, she had all those those big sort of blow up y, you know, um, blow mold. Yeah, the blow molds. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) 
Yeah, I know so. the intent as you're coming into Echo Lake is to get like brighter and brassier and kind of lead you into the 50s. I admittedly, like I've even walked Echo Lake recently, like knowing the show is coming up and sort of <laughs> tried to tune in a little bit more. And it's genuinely difficult to hear mm-hmm. <laughs> the music around Echo Lake, um, you know, in large part, I guess, because of what you said, just sort of the way the sound carries and you've got Indiana Jones right there, which is probably the dominating, like just the that theme is sort of what I think of when I think of that area of the park and the sort of just the sounds of the boulder rolling and things like that overpower anything else that you hear. Big explosion at the end. (laughs) Yeah. And, and sort of there's a, you know, from where we are sort of standing virtually, we can either sort of go by uh, Indiana Jones or go down commissary lane. I'll only mention commissary lane very quickly because, and I don't think they're there anymore, but for a while, for a long time, I guess until just a few years ago, this was sort of where they would kind of showcase sometimes songs from ABC shows. You'd find the 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 gigantic posters up on the sides of the show building, but they would also play a lot of theme songs from shows like Home Improvement and Grey's Anatomy and Batman and Bewitched. Like it was this weird sort of mix. Yes. You sort of never you never knew what you were going to get, but as a you know a, a very sentimental guy, I, I loved it because it was almost like this little bit of roulette. You didn't know what you were going to get as you went down commissary lane, but I would always try and sort of like tilt up my head to, to listen to what was playing in the background. Yeah, I remember Three's Company too. I think I, I seem to remember a Three's Company run at one point or another. There's a little was- part of me that wants to sing that desperately, but I won't. So. Come and knock on our door. That's not Come me, on, by the way. That. Just to be clear, that's not me. That's Lou. That is totally Lou. That was Lou sang, everybody. It was Lou. No, I, uh, I loved that because, especially with the ABC commissary, I always loved that feeling that you were, again, when it was a backstage, you know, theme that, it was just this. These are the. This was the TV area. Even though there were other places, Superstar Television was was back further. But it was such a cool feeling of just going into the commissary to get your lunch, and you know, there, you know, it's like you're in there with all these other TV stars, and there's the music to remind you. Uh, today, I think it's it's kind of that that California. It's like baseline tap house mm-hmm. soundtrack. That's kind of this jazzy, almost like new age kind of jazz bossa nova like yeah there's a little there's like a little bit of a hybrid jazz funk thing going on Uh, i like it i think i like the vibe i'm not you know i don't it doesn't it does certainly not going to be nostalgic to me uh but it is definitely i i enjoy the vibe walking down through there you know yeah i mean um, the area now sort of if you look at a map excuse me it's it's sort of all lumped into Grand Avenue. I still sort of think about it as as separate little spaces. So Grand Avenue and Baseline Tap House came about in 2017, sort of mid to late 2017. And the, the idea of this area in, in the retheming that took place as the streets of America sadly went away is that it it's sort of inspired by quote unquote present day downtown LA. So you're going to get that West coast funky baseline guitar-y synthy thing. If you really listen carefully and sometimes it's hard to hear, you can also hear like atmospheric noise. Like you can hear kids playing, you can hear like birds and, and traffic. And I haven't heard it in a long, long time, but I remember when it first opened, um, there was a little bit of dialogue you could almost hear from the storefronts, almost as if you were in um, like that back area of Morocco. You can sort of hear almost conversations going on. But oh, wow. the, the baseline tap house too, you're right. It's it's a lot of covers from the police and Beatles and, and Michael Jackson and, and Pink Floyd. So it has this very sort of kill, chill, California laid back kind of vibe while you're having your beer and or gigantic pretzel and charcuterie board (laughs) and charcuterie board (laughs) yeah that it it, i like the vibe as i said it but it does definitely feels more um not not something that you're supposed to be hearing like oh i know that song but it's more about just kind of the feel 
the yeah. feel of it. Like just like like you said, adding the background noises and stuff to so just to put you someplace. Right. It's giving you a sense of place, right? This Grand Avenue is you almost have to stare at Grand Avenue and forget what's behind you, right? Forget that you've got Star Tours and Muppet Courtyard behind you because it sort of takes yeah. you out of that. This right. is the sort of one area of the park where these are facades. This is pretend and, and make-believe as opposed to, I think, being on Hollywood and Sunset, you are actually like immersed in this place. Because remember, this was supposed to be the backstage area. Um, and, I, and I still love showing people, if you walk sort of past where Backlot Express is, when the park first opened, I think it's still this way, there's a, a clear delineation in the pavement color. So there was red on sort of the, the front side of the park and there was a guard shack there with, with a gate because you this would where sort of the actors and performers and directors and what, whatnot would go backstage. That's why the visuals there are very, very different. And there used to be a very different transition in music too, right? There was a... a um, a very clear delineation, not just in, in what you saw, but in the music as well. Uh, certainly, we would we have to mention the Muppet Courtyard um, yes. instrumentals <laughs> from some of our our favorite. I was I've always been a Muppet fan, um, so you're going to hear the Muppet Show theme, and we all sort of, I guess you can sing along with Manamana and and moving right along oh, yeah. and um, stepping out with a star. But to me, and, and I don't know if these were uh, originated for this uh, space originally, you know, or you know, these arrangements, but it always struck me as uh, like the Muppet Show band, you know, the Muppet Show pit group that you would see in the show. Um, they, as if they were playing all these songs. They played the Muppet Show theme, then they played Manamana, then they played Moving Right Along, then Can You Picture That? Stepping Out With The Star, I'm Gonna Always Love You, It's Not Easy Being Green. And it's just always in that style, you know, and I just thought it was it was one of those one of my first I remember being a kid walking through it and thinking, this is really this is really something they're taking a whole genre, a very unique niche genre and just kind of creating their own little world, you know, in in that space. And I really hope they bring it back. (laughs) I don't think it exists in like the courtyard. Right. And I don't. There's there's the the music. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Now, maybe someday. Um, but and then, of course, that does connect. Should we talk about so what's I, going I, on? In- so wait, very quick. Lisa, anything from this section before oh, we yeah. bounce to another section of the park? We're going to do a little bit of jumping. I mean, I think Miss Piggy would be upset if we didn't mention her performance <laughs> of Dream a Little Dream. But otherwise, I'm, I'm how does that go on. again? How does it just favor us with a little? Um, yeah. I sang your turn. Yeah. Before we <laughs> no, get no, to you, you go ahead, you're you've proven yourself. Um, before we get well, to I can't I can't do it in the Miss Piggy range, but we're gonna go a little bit of out of order. We're gonna we're gonna bounce uh, across the, the center of the park to Animation Courtyard before we hit Toy Story Land and then finish off with Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Uh, I don't know why, it just seems to for some reason make sense to me. Um <laughs> Animation Courtyard, again, like other sections of the park, evokes a sense of nostalgia. Um, for some, it's it's more recent nostalgia than, than older nostalgia, whether it's animated movies like Cinderella or Little Mermaid or Lion King or more recent nostalgia for things like, you know, Disney Junior Live on Stage and, and Voyage of the Little Mermaid, uh, where you can hear, I still think you can hear, songs from the 90s like the bug which the bugs a bug's life which i haven't seen in a long time i remember having a beautiful score um Mm. into the sunlight from hunchback of notes i I love alan menken's music especially in that uh, very underrated and and gorgeous film little mermaid jungle book uh jerry goldsmith's suite from mulan and some of the transformation music from beauty and the beast which a lot of the music that was, I think, chosen here was really smart because I think it's very emotionally evocative, right? There's no dialogue, but there are, a lot of these pieces seem to have, and forgive me because I'm not the musician in the room, but there is this like, there's like this emotional swell that that happens and sort of these, these peaks and valleys of, of emotion with some of these songs, right? So like Hunchback of, of Notre Dame, like into the sunlight is it's a it 
it's a very sort of mood-setting piece. I don't know how else to put it. Whereas things like Mulan is much more, um, it's slightly more upbeat, but then you also get some of the the hints of reflection in there as well. The the Beauty and the Beast one is a little bit more of a, of a tragic feel to it. So there's nothing sad about the the music here, but I think it 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 very much can take you on this wonderful sort of emotional journey if you sort of just close your eyes and pay attention to the music, not the screaming kid in the stroller that's sweating, but the music that's playing in the background. Absolutely. The Bugs Life Suite by itself, you know, it it it, it, it kind of sets, it sets the tone as almost something comical. Like it, it almost has like Randy, New, uh, Randy Newman, right? Randy Newman? Yeah. He, uh, he always had a great, has a great, uh, style of which he writes for a lot of the Pixar movies uh, that just gives it just very playful. I like to call it playful. Then you jump, but then you change gears into Ends of the Sunlight and it's just so much more. It just emotes something very different, which then goes into things like Little Mermaid and Mulan, all these different ideas. And I find it interesting that they're using all of this for the animation core art, you know, back in the day when it was all about animation. Um, But they're using these very specific songs and pieces to help kind of tell the background, you know, be, be part of the story of this area, which I found, you know, so many different emotions from like those six or seven different pieces. And I, and I love it. I think it's great. And I, and I do listen to that. Lisa was mentioning, you listen to loops. I put that loop on all the time. I love just listening to that loop of the animation music just because it's just gorgeous. So Lisa? Yeah, I, I miss um, I miss my days in animation court. You know, now that my kids have sort of outgrown Disney Junior Live on stage, we're not there anymore. But I always appreciated how they kind of bridged the gap between the generations by playing that music. You know, even if you might be there so that your kid can see Doc McStuffins, which is also awesome, but not of my generation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I have that same thing, too. Like, there's just I have no connection to it. My kids have no connection to it. So, you know, oftentimes we were walking through animation courtyard as opposed to spending time in animation courtyard. I think, I think as time goes on and um, whatever may potentially happen to like that launch bay area and stuff back there, it might be interesting um, to see. I, I do miss what used to be there when the animation courtyard really did celebrate. And that building really did celebrate the the history and the, the beauty of animation and some of the stuff that was lost along the way. Um, I will say very quickly, though, I did mention earlier on, so you're not going to hear any music from like uh, uh, George Wilkins or George Bruns. This actually, you can, the Jungle Book mu- music, the Jungle Book score is from George Bruns. Actually, there's a lot of Alan Menken music in there, which I love. Yeah. I absolutely love, love, love Alan Menken music. Um, I, I still, I'm not sure if I'm ready to die on this hill just yet, but because I love the Sherman Brothers music so very much, but I will say Compass of Your Heart, which is from Tokyo Disney Sea, may be the single greatest theme park piece of music ever. Richard Sherman, I'm so sorry, but it's um, it's an Alan Menken piece and it's gorgeous. Oh. Find, yeah. What's it called? Compass, Compass of, of Your Heart. heart. I'll have to look for that one. Find, for that one. I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes. Find the video on YouTube of Alan Menken performing it live in English at Tokyo's um, D23. If you don't cry, I mean, if you don't cry, it's fine, but it's it's an incredibly moving piece. Uh, and shameless plug, if you want to hear my interview with Alan Menken, it was back on show 196, which now seems like eons ago. 196, wow. I know. <laughs> I was 11 when I did that interview. So. <laughs> um, all right, let's move over to Toy Story Land and then uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Uh, Toy Story Land should just be called from, for our purposes today, Randy Newman land um, because it does feature a, a wonderful, almost sort of a, a sing-along version of a music loop because the, the instrumental versions of you got a friend in me and strange things and, and Woody's roundup from the four toy stories films are such a part of the zeitgeist and, and us and our, and our history. It's very easy. And it, it's also, you know, uh, clearly, appropriate place setting music as well. Um, Very uplifting, very happy. I think that there's, I don't think that 
there is the oh god i'm drawing the blank now the the song the really song sad the sad song about jesse i don't think is in the loop oh. i think all of the when music some, is when, when somebody loves, loves you yeah or, 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 yeah tearjerker man when she loved me when yeah. she loved me um yeah, you know, it might like be I've there. Heard that I, instrumental there, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Maybe I I've just blocked it out because I just. It, yeah. Yeah. It, it's just so gosh darn sad. But yes, <laughs> instrumentally, it's just very beautiful. So I do believe it's instrumentally somewhere, maybe in the queue for Toy Story Midway Mania. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure it's in there. That whole, but again, as I mentioned earlier, Randy Newman. I mean, come on, playful is a great way to describe his his not all of his writing but the with but a lot of what he does with pixar and what a great thing to put in toy story land is something that's playful so um that's you know you can't beat that and i love that they utilize the green army men for the drum show Mm -hmm. the live drum show it's just such a smart use of them and like another like immersion tool um and i think wheezy the penguin needs a (laughs) shout out because i don't know why i think it's so cool every time i see him singing at the end of slinky Yep. But I just think that's the funny, funniest placement. Um, and you're sort of a captive audience uh, as, as you wait to. By the late, the, voiced by the late, great Robert Goulet, correct? If I'm not mistaken. Uh, man, so. uh, there's a little part of me that wants to do my best Robert Goulet wheezy impression, but I will not. I'll never do it while I'm recording. So, well, my <laughs> one of my though, another show that, you know, sadly, is doesn't have the popularity that so many other Disney things does is do you did you remember the show Recess? Anybody watched Saturday mornings? It was just a Saturday morning cartoon about a bunch of fifth graders. And it was right around my daughter's age. You know, she was really into it. The very tail end of the Saturday morning cartoons. And it was a Disney one Saturday morning. And this one character was it was a kind of a, a pudgy kid named Mikey who who apparently had a beautiful singing voice. He sounded, and when he talked, like, like I mean, had like a little middle school kid. But the minute he opened his voice to sing, it was Robert Goulet. <laughs> so it was great. But uh, yes, and Wheezy, gotta love it. Yes. I don't get on that ride too often because the roller coasters don't always agree with me, but I, 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 I try to for that one, just to see, just to see Wheezy. <laughs> so we're, we're saved Galaxy's Edge for last uh, for a variety of reasons, not just because of its location in the park. And and I know if you're listening, you might be saying, Mangello, you completely blew by Star Tours. It's because I want to sort of connect the dots here because the stories of of both are are very similar. When they were um when when Star Wars was was being created and they were thinking about ride music, uh, they actually brought John Williams back on board in order to part no pun intended, to score new footage which you know you might seem like overkill like wait a minute we have enough music from the films the ride is like four and a half music uh, four and a half minutes along so they did use a lot of music from the films but when they were developing galaxy's edge um they said look we need to have john williams come back and yes it's only a few minutes long but we need him to create this symphonic suite that is going to encapsulate what this remote Black Spire outpost on Batu is like and what the, the inhabitants and what these rebels and pirates and outlaws and, and park goers are going to feel like. So they brought Williams in very early in on the planning stages because they knew that because this outpost didn't exist in the Star Wars universe, at least on film, it needed and really deserved its own score, but had to be one that lived within the universe of John's other writing for the films. And it had to include that sense of danger and excitement and adventure and heroism, which is what sort of Galaxy's Edge in and of itself is sort of meant to embody, right? So they want to inspire guests with this sense of, of awe and wonder and optimism but a little bit of of danger along the way. And he'd only, Williams only had once before written a signature tune unrelated to one of his own scores, and that was the theme for young Han Solo in Solo, uh, a Star Wars story. But I, I think it was such a smart move in this idea of having this new world with its own identity that was connected to yet separate and apart from the movies while still being inspired and having that incredible Williams 
handprint and feel all over it really enhances the immersive quality of what this land is, right? We talk about being immersed in a Sunset Boulevard or a Hollywood Boulevard or a fantasy land, but this is different. This is a world that Star Wars fans may not recognize but are familiar with, right? So it, it the background music can't sort of feel like theatrical background music. It has to sort of feel like placemaking music that is layered and textured while still having that quote-unquote like Star Wars experience and feel to it. Yeah, that, first of all, I want to say that, you know, you know, brilliant move to bring John Williams in early on for this on, on Disney's part. Um, I will say that, you know, I've, I, I am close to your age, Lou, and I grew up with the entire Star Wars catalog of movies. And I know that, you know, in this day and age, there is a lot of discord and a lot of disagreement on, you know, who likes this, who doesn't like that, where and why. But I would say that for the most part, um, most people can agree that the oxygen of Star Wars, the music of Star Wars uh, that John Williams wrote for pretty much everything with the exception of a handful of films uh, has really been something that people can agree is among the best things about all of them. And uh, for him to for them to bring him in to do uh, a symphonic suite was fantastic. But what I was even more at first surprised and then later overjoyed about was the lack of hearing it when you first enter the land or in, in its symphonic orchestral mm-hmm. form. You walk into that space. I'm not sure if you hear it when you're going in from Toy Story Land, but definitely when you're coming in from from the other end, when you're going through the tunnel, you hear kind of this ethereal, almost like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like very faint and almost like very soft hums. And you hear that very slowly being played in the background. And it just sets the mood of where you're going. You're not going someplace where they celebrate Star Wars. That's not what you're doing. You're going into Galaxy's Edge. You're going to Batuu. And that is just something that kind of exists there. It's just kind of in the air. And it's not like a big symphonic, you know, bombastic kind of score that is following you around. And when I first walked in, back in the day when it first opened, I was taken back by that. I'm like, oh, I'm kind of maybe even a little disappointed. But then after I spent some time in it, I said, you know, in the park, and I said, you know, in this area, I said, this is this was a smart move. This was a better move. And uh, and then if you want to hear that and in the areas where you go on more adventures, Smuggler's Run, Rise of the Resistance, we get into it. We can get into those in a little bit. But there is where you really start to hear that symphonic suite as the adventure really comes to a to a climax in both of those different attractions albeit very different attractions but still that's something that you get to experience for both of those yeah it almost yeah, starts off like a fugue incredible... and then i'm sorry go ahead um no i was just gonna say i think they had an incredible <clears throat> excuse me amount of self-control in <laughs> using the music the way that they did and the land like what I would, I mean, what we would all want to do, right, is like as you're going under that bridge, you're going through that tunnel into the land, you want to hear like the main theme blaring. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. Like, oh my God, it's really <laughs> happening. But but instead, they've approached it like a Pandora, right? Like where you sort of walk in and instead you're getting sort of ambient noise and you're walking into a new land. And instead, they've made use of these leitmotifs that are just ingrained into our cultural subconscious to be able to keep, I mean, there's no universe in the world. I mean, I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. Don't get me wrong, but like there's no universe in the world where you can play three notes and know what side somebody's on, no matter who you are, like you can in Star Wars. And so they've used such self-control in not blaring the the Imperial March and the main theme, um, you know, as you're walking in and instead do this so much more subtly and make use of these leitmotifs that we know so well in the cultural lexicon to cue up how you're supposed to feel about a certain character. And, you know, as night goes, as day goes into night, the vibe of the music and the vibe of the area changes. So it's so purposeful. And so um, it's with so much intent that they do it to create like an immersive experience in a real land rather than the sense that you're walking into a movie that you're excited about. Right. It, having said that, having it's, said almost that like a, it's almost like, like a, like a, 
and I think this is the right term, it's almost like when you first walk in, like you said, not sort of being hit in the face with that recognizable theme, which is gonna make you feel like, like I'm in a Star Wars movie because Star Wars, the words Star Wars don't exist in Galaxy's Edge. It's almost like like a fugue and, and you're sort of, the, the music that's there is almost as if it's being performed by a small group of musicians as opposed to this huge orchestra. So you do feel like I'm in this exotic marketplace as opposed to a concert hall. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and all throughout the land. And you do get a little sense of uh, going under that bridge. You get the uh, past the, you know, adjacent to the stalls, to the shopping stalls and everything. You do get that little radio station, which occasionally plays diegetic music, you know, which we'll talk about in more detail once we go into Ogus Cantina. But, but beyond that, yeah, it is just, it's, it's, it's just in the background. It's just ethereal. It's just meant. Yeah. Like you said, a few players, and then you go on, let's say, then you go on, let's talk about Rise of Resistance, though, because, you know, if, you, if you're the kind of person that really needs to have, you know, your adventure have a John Williams traditional soundtrack, well, you know, we're in luck. So <laughs> from the minute you are in, you're in there with Ray's hologram, you're getting, you know, cue after cue after cue. Uh, of John Williams music and just puts it just puts you right into that that mood without it overtaking it it's just it's just presented so perfectly and, and that's and it goes all over the place you get Ray's theme you get the first order or sorry you get first order rise of resistance a lot of sequel trilogy music which you know again you know love love the sequels hate the sequels do not fault John Williams he is he did amazing themes and again like you said lisa three notes and you understand who's who you know what side you're on you're getting it and then you get on to that first ship which i love how people think that's the ride and then you get your first presentation of that symphonic suite that 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 new theme and it just gives you it takes you through there you get some more battle music as you as you're getting taken over then you get into the get captured by the ship you're in the first order you're taken through uh with all this all you know in the hangar bay and then you get that that dark ominous thing that just sets the mood you know and puts you in that kind of freaks you out you know <laughs> and then it, and then it continues and on and on and then you're on the ride and you and then you get and then for people is as if you're thinking it's going to be nothing but sequel music oh then you hear empire strikes back you know battle of hoth music <laughs> Just which just fits the theme, you know. It, it fit, you know. Kudos to the designers, to the Imagineers for choosing that because it fits the theme. And then you get some, you know, a New Hope Death Star escape music blowing up the Death Star music as you're escaping. You know, it's just it's it was great, and it's why it's still, in my opinion, the greatest ride that's ever been created. So, and I'll die on that hill, <laughs> Lisa. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll I'll let you rest there. I mean, I, I think. <laughs> You know, I, I just I have great respect for for the choices that they made musically in Galaxy's Edge. Um, we don't have to go into it all in detail, but Smuggler's Run, you have a very similar type of vibe. It's a little more, a little more, a little shorter, a little more uh, matter of fact, but uh, it's it's the same idea. And then takes you right back out into the land and you're back into just living in the living, living in that land. Before we uh, before we take a, a break and step into Oga's Cantina. The original music that John Williams, <clears throat> excuse me, wrote for um, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is not the first original Williams score that he's written for a theme park attraction. What was? What was the very first music that John Williams wrote for a theme park attraction? For a theme park attraction? Can I get one hint? Was it a Star Wars theme or no? It was not. And okay. it was not. It was not necessarily in Walt Disney World. Okay. Lisa is asking Jeeves frantically. Jurassic Park, Jurassic something with Jurassic and Universal. Close, but Harry no Potter cigar. Or something Harry, Harry Potter? Potter. Not Harry Potter either. Um, oh boy, he wrote oh, Jaws. An, the Jaws, Jaws ride. Oh, you're so close, but not oh. really, because uh, he adapted. <laughs> His Oscar-winning score for E.T. the Extraterrestrial for a new theme 
for one of E.T.'s elders um, back in, in 1990. Obviously, didn't necessarily get as much play as Galaxy's Edge does, but there is your little bit of useless knowledge that you can take with uh, you and do with it what you like. So thank you for sharing. It, it's what I do. I'm full of useless knowledge. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's let's step into um, Oga's Cantina, which there are so many reasons. Top 10 reasons why we love Oga's Cantina. Um, DJ Rex, you and your uh, 18 track playlist um is just one of the reasons uh lisa any any thoughts will will is mastering this area she's like give it to the star wars guy in a few years when (laughs) when i retire and move down to florida that's where i plan to live uh now the the first of all great great sense of story with the idea of moving rex from star tours to becoming a dj just so much fun and not only am i loving the different styles of music the, the you know from the techno disco style to even getting a few numbers like well you got the cantina song remix which is so much fun but then you got stuff like the uh, modal notes you know i don't even want to get into some of the titles here they're i mean i like batu boogie that's fun <laughs> i was gonna uh, see but- if you were gonna try and pronounce any of these Zano, Gulubuki, <laughs> Una Due Di, you know, like there's just so many, but it's, but it's, they really commit to this otherworldly thing. I, I am so happy that they went in a whole new direction, created new things. And then to make it even better, it, they actually plussed it by adding Gaia to mm. some of the tracks more recently. Sadly, I didn't get a chance to experience my, Gaia on when I was supposed to go on the Galactic Star Cruiser because the stupid ner- Hurricane Nicole canceled my trip. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, but they rescheduled and they put us up in the Grand Floridian during that time. So I'm happy. Mm. So, so we'll be there hopefully this summer. So, but yes, uh, so we got a few Gaia, at least one Gaia. One, I don't know if there's more than one. Ulashuka. And uh, that's really cool that they do that. And I hope that they continue to expand on the DJ Rex playlist. I love that they released the playlist so you can listen to it outside of there because sometimes it does get very noisy there. So it's kind of hard to hear, but um, it's fun. I like it. And I like the inspiration from world music all over the place, uh, different styles from jazz, swing, boogie to definitely more techno, rock, um, fusion and that kind of thing. So it's I want to give I want to give some credit to um, someone whose whose work I, I have loved for years in a variety of different projects, which is Bear McCreary. Um, he did a lot, a lot of the music in Ogus Cantina. You may know Bear McCreary from such shows as Battlestar Galactica, two thousand the two thousand four remake, which I love. Agents of Shield, probably yeah. most notable from The Walking Dead. Um, God of War, like video game God of War, Call of Duty Vanguard, and Godzilla King of the Monsters. So uh, I, I I know Bear's work, Bear, like I'm on a first name basis. From, um, <laughs> mostly from Walking Dead and, and Battlestar Galactic, I think is one of the best TV shows ever, period. It's in the top three, probably. Um, and his score, his work on his score is absolutely beautiful. Uh, it's gorgeous. So um, it was nice to see his name in, in the credits for Oka's Cantina. So... Did we miss anything on our tour? I, I know we didn't mention Fantasmic um, specifically or even some of the other attractions, but was there anywhere else that we didn't go that you wanted to make sure we mentioned at Disney's Hollywood Studios? Past or present? Uh, present or past? Other uh, than Fantasmic, I would love to just at least give a shout out to some of the live performers that we no longer have in the park. Um, I loved mulch sweat and shears i thought they were so much fun um i missed them in the park Mm -hmm. i loved their little pop-up concerts and um the citizens of hollywood and some of the other people that brought music into the parks i know we're we're all missing them um and there was a huge musical element to those um that i miss as well i also wanted to make a shout out for the march of the first order Hmm. where which which was i know it's a simple little thing um such a such a I don't want to say nothing because it wasn't nothing, but for those who don't know, this was happened right before, you know, pretty much between when Force Awakens came out and Galaxy's Edge opened. There was a few years where 
every day, about six or seven times a day, Captain Phasma would march in with the March of the First Order. And they would just march down Hollywood Boulevard, go up to the to the hub area, do a little quick, say a few things about, you know, you must all follow the First Order and then march back and leave. And I always felt the music that they did is they, I, Lou, do you know about that? I know that it was taken from some of John Williams' little cues, little little cues from the from Force Awakens, but I think there was another person that actually wrote out this really cool, scary kind of march. <laughs> I, I, I was trying to find information and I couldn't track it down. I don't know if I know who, I, I can try and find out, or I'm sure yeah. there's somebody yelling at their phone or, or car right now going, how do you not know that so-and-so wrote the March of the First Order? I mean, I think it was like a music producer that works for Disney that was able to put something together. But it was just the way they they did that. It was just so intense. And it was such a simple thing. It was just mm-hmm. First Order Troopers marching down, stopping, getting, marching in, getting in your face and then coming back and continuing. But that 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 endless drum of boom, 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 and it, and it filled that entire area. I really miss that. I, I'm hoping, you know, they got the, they have to have all those first, it was like, 20, I don't know, 15 to 16 first order stormtrooper outfits. They got to be backstage somewhere. I'm hoping that maybe they put that into, into uh Batu or something, because it mm. would be such a cool thing to have back because it was just cool. But I think if there's anything else. Um, and I'm sorry. So I know we're <laughs> so long, um, but no, I just realized that we also haven't given a shout out to some of the incredible shows that are, largely musical productions like Frozen, um, Beauty and the Beast um, that are in the park. And I know they're just sort of performances of the music that we all know and love and aren't unique to Hollywood studios in the songs themselves. But, you know, as a parent of kids who loved the Frozen sing-along mm-hmm. for years and years, um, you know, you can't not acknowledge it. And the Beauty and the Beast production is obviously extraordinary. Absolutely. I did want uh, to mention a couple of extinct uh, attractions and entertainment that i think had and again it's it's music from the shows not necessarily anything that was specifically written but um it, from like 95 96 through the early 2000s if you ever had a chance to see the hunchback of notre dame a musical adventure which was unfortunately in an open air theater which in the middle of summer was ridiculously hot but spectacular and beautiful and i and i love 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 the music from there there was a number of different muppet shows that sometimes had some musical elements to it um and there were actually the there was a great score um that played where the honey i shrunk the kids movie set adventure was again this is early 90s through maybe like 2015 20 maybe the 2017 is when that closed that also had some great um background music over there as well uh, I wanted to make a shout out for the Stars and Motor Cars Parade. I absolutely adored the um, soundtrack to that. Very much fitting of Hollywood, old, old Hollywood. You know, the roll out the red mm. carpet. And I, I thought that was fantastic and missed that. And I also wanted to mention, well, we didn't really talk about it. Star Tours. Uh, while, you know, it, Galaxy's Edge kind of now is the Star Wars hub. Star Tours is where you celebrate Star Wars. And and I love the use of now it's a different adventure every time. So just like going on Guardians of the Galaxy, you don't know what you're going to get. Uh, and I just love, again, to, to to be able to access so much of that John Williams catalog to to uh, just help you know, fuel your your adventure that you're going on. So and I think the original Star Tours, the, the Williams theme you know, obviously that still plays there. There's just, they, when they did the, 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 the adventures continue, he just didn't do a, a, a second one because I, I didn't think it. I think Michael needed. Giacchino actually scored some of the, just some of the arrangements. A lot of stuff that you hear in the background mm-hmm. of the walking through the, you know, the actual tour place feet. And, and of course I love the star tours theme. Da-da-da, you know, and Giacchino like, again, oh, not yeah. to go off. I mean, he is that next generation of legendary composer i mean my love of lost goes very 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 deep and my love of giacchino <laughs> not just his directorial debut in werewolf by night but the the scores that he writes are, are just beautiful that documentary about him was fantastic yeah. wasn't it yeah yeah director by night on director uh, on by disney night plus yeah so all right so where does where does disney's hollywood studios in terms of music 
um, Lisa and Will, where does where does it fit for you in terms of music in the parks? Take sort of a thirty thousand foot view, um, you know, as you sort of look at this and comparing and contrast, contrasting with your affection for music from other Disney parks. It doesn't feel like a fair comparison to me because, you know. I, after a two hour conversation, I'm sorry to tell you it ranks probably third <laughs> among my park music, but that's not fair to say because it's, it ranks that way because it's not the point, mm -hmm. right? Like the point of Epcot is to transport you in Epcot. The point of magic kingdom is to transport you to this, you know, perfect fairy tale world. But Hollywood studios isn't about that, right? It's about like taking you back to the golden age of Hollywood or, into the land of Toy Story. It's it's to transport you into, it, it's using the familiarity of the music that's in your subconscious to transport you to where they want you to be. Um, and so I don't think like, oh my God, like I'm hearing Marzy Dotes. I really want to be in Hollywood studios right now. The way I hear like Papillon need to be in Epcot, but that's the point, right? So it's not fair to rank it. I'll just say that like, it's, some of the most brilliantly used music at Disney. Um, and the fact that I don't hear that music and need to be in a theme park speaks to what a good job that they did. Will? Yeah. Uh, it's number one. <laughs> no, I, no, I, uh, I feel, I, I understand what Lisa's saying and I definitely agree with everything she's saying in terms of how it's, it's the whole design of it is just different. So it really is a different comparison. But having said that, being that, you know, this is a, then this is a hundred percent a personal, um, you know, just a personal opinion based on my own life and the, 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 the music that has helped shape my childhood, the music that shaped my adulthood. Uh, and again, I speak to this, not just as a, just an average Disney fan or, or a, uh, or a fan of, of, of movies or any, or Star Wars or anything else, but also as a, as someone who grew up with music as a career, uh, I really feel that there's just so much in that particular space from Muppets to big band, to star Wars, to other animated theme music, to toy story, to that just shaped my, my personal upbringing and life. And the, and you know, the, the, the life I had with my wife and my daughter and, and everything that, you know, I feel that it just, does such an amazing job that it, it, it does its job so well that I have to put it at the top for me. Not only edging out a little bit because I feel Ep Epcot and, and Banjo Kingdom and eventually when, when, when you discuss it, Animal Kingdom will all are so good at that as well. But, you know, and, but do things differently and, and for different reasons. So I also wanted to point out that uh, even the, I was thinking about this as we were talking, even the bus, when you take, the Disney bus service from like the hotel there and, and they have music playing on there. Well, there you're, it's almost kind of funny because there you're, you're just hearing movie themes. So there you, again, you'll hear Harry Potter. You'll hear the Batman theme from 1989. You'll hear my favorite, the theme from the Broadway musical movie version, 2005 of Mel Brooks is the producers. <laughs> <laughs> which we actually did. My wife and my daughter and I all put that show on in a community theater a few years back. So when we're sitting in the bus waiting to go and we hear the overture to the producers, we're like, what? <laughs> and if the overture to the producers, I'm not going to say what the title of the song is, but you know the song, Mel. You know, that he, that, you know, and I'm like, I never thought I would hear that melody on a Disney bus. I'm hysterical and I'm wet. <laughs> anyway, all right. If I can give you both, and I know Lisa, it's easier for you, but if I can give you both the ability to snap your fingers, have one snack item from Disney's Hollywood Studios, and you can sit down somewhere and just close your eyes with your snack and listen to the background music, not ride a single attraction, not walk and wander, but sit. What is your snack and where do you go? Ladies first, go. Plus, we know that Will's going to Galaxy's Edge anyway, so it doesn't matter. This was supposed to be easy for me. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to get a soft pretzel and go sit on Sunset Boulevard. I'm going to get the, the, the calf, the, the cold calf with the little mm -hmm. chocolate, chocolate the cereal on the inside and of it, <laughs> cocoa puffs. And, but I'm going to go to 
a very specific place. I'm going to go. I would like to go to back to Star Tours where I can hear some of that great John Williams music kind of play a little bit more, particularly over by that Ewok village, like, you know, queue. Which is a place I like to call home is my little mm. Ewok village. Um, <laughs> I, I will go to the other side of the street on Sunset Boulevard. I will be sitting in the shade somewhere. Um, it doesn't exist, but I'm going to get a Cobb salad to go from the Brown Derby. And I will sit uh, at a picnic table in the shade and just uh, close my eyes and listen to that beautiful, brassy, stringy, jazzy, big band music from the 30s and 40s. Um, a little less far away from Tower of Terror, a little more on the upbeat side. So... Um, maybe somewhere in the middle of Hollywood studios where the luggage is. I'll be sitting on that little bench where the luggage is in the middle of Hollywood studios. But I would also like to know from you, our friend who has been sitting here listening and hopefully enjoying our discussion of the music of Hollywood studios with us, what your favorite piece or area or type of music that you can find in Disney's Hollywood studios is or was. Maybe there's something that is now extinct that you miss and loved from Hollywood studios. Lights, motors, action. May you rest in peace. Streets of America and the, uh, the backlot tour and, and, and the golden girls house. May you all rest in peace. I would love to hear from you. You can call the voicemail at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WDW1. And I will play it on the air. Let us know what you miss or what you love from Disney's Hollywood Studios. Or I'll also post this question in the clubhouse on Facebook at www.radio.com slash clubhouse. And you can join the community and conversation there. Lisa and Will, thank you both again for joining me. Uh, please tell everybody where they can find you, Lisa and Will, um, on social, etc. Uh, my name is Lisa Donato Glasner. You can find me on my site, thecastlerun.com, where we tell the tale of our rebuilding and rewriting our lives here a mile from Disney World. Um, on that site, you'll also find my shop, Core Memory Candles, where we recreate the sense of Disney for you to have in your own home. Um, and you can find me across social, um, similarly, the Castle Runner on Instagram and also on Facebook. And for me, you can find me. I'm Will Megalio, and you can actually find me uh, on YouTube. I have a channel called Darth Tuba, Star Wars Unboxing Show, where it's a an unboxing, collecting all things Star Wars channel. Just just do a search for Darth Tuba, and you'll probably find it on YouTube. And that's kind of my handle in uh, Instagram and Twitter at Darth Tuba. Darth Tuba's Star Wars Unboxing page on Facebook, and you can email me Darth Tuba seventy seven at gmail.com and if you're going to be in the parks uh this coming april during spring break uh, the week after easter i will be here there with my marching band marching down the magic kingdom i believe on that tuesday whichever that day is i think it's the 11th uh and with my with my band so i'm excited to and and on wednesday in disney springs with my orchestra so we're gonna have a fun time oh. with that oh we're gonna have to come and try and um, check you out while you are there cool. and have a snack along the way uh, guys, thank you so very much for joining me on this musical journey, two years in the making, <laughs> to Disney's Hollywood Studios. I uh, I sincerely appreciate it, and now want a snack. Now I'm now I'm craving a pretzel and a salad, not necessarily in that order. Maybe a Ronto wrap. Oh yeah, breakfast Ronto wrap. And a carrot cake cookie. I'm not a sweets guy, but ah uh, yeah. It's time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World history or see how you pay attention to the details of what you see, hear, taste, or remember. If you think you know the answer, you can enter for a chance to win a Disney prize package. This week's trivia contest is once again brought to you by you. Because as part of the WW Radio Nation, you help bring every episode of the show to life, every live broadcast, the contests, the giveaways. They are all thanks to, by, for, with, and about you. You can find out how you can help the show for as little as a dollar per month and get exclusive rewards every month, like scavenger hunts, be part of our group video calls, get access to our private Facebook group, shirts, stickers, monthly care packages from the parks, 
early access and discounts to special events and more. And don't forget that a portion of the proceeds of your contribution goes to our Dream Team project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. I sincerely appreciate your love, support, friendship, and help. I want to thank some new and longtime members of the Nation family, including Bob Rachel, Michael S. Aronson, Gary Ebels, Father Christopher, and Kevin Shea. I sincerely appreciate it. The show could not happen without you. To learn more and to be part of the Nation family, visit www.com support. Now, before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week, and select our winner. So with the closing of Splash Mountain in Walt Disney World this past week, I wanted to ask you a question about Splash Mountain, not just in Walt Disney World, but around the world. As I asked you to tell me, what order did each of the Splash Mountains around the world in Walt Disney World, Disneyland, and Tokyo Disneyland open in? First, thanks to so many of you entered, got this one correct, and knew that the order was Disneyland on July 17th, 1989, then Tokyo Disneyland on October 1st, 1992, Walt Disney World actually opened the next day on October 2nd, 1992. And somewhat unrelated to the question, but I thought it was funny anyway. If you remember, when Splash Mountain opened on July 17th, they did a TV special specifically about it, starring Ernest as Jim Varney. You can find it on YouTube. It's actually quite funny. Anyway, I took all the correct entries, randomly selected one, and last week you were playing for a prize package that includes a WW Radio mug, a pin, and a mystery prize. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is Ali Padilla. So, Ali, congratulations. I will get your prize package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So, we're going to stay in and around Disney's Hollywood slash MGM Studios this week, as I want you to think back to opening day, May 1st, 1989, and tell me, what opening day attractions at Disney MGM Studios are still open for guests to enjoy today? What opening day Disney MGM Studios attractions are still open for guests to enjoy today? You have until Sunday, February 5th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern to go to www.radio.com, click on this week's podcast, use the form there. And again, this week you're going to play for a WW Radio mug, a pin, and a mystery prize. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in this and every week. I would love to know from you, what is your favorite music at Disney's Hollywood Studios? Come be part of the community and conversation. Talk not just about this week's show, but anything that you want in the Disney, Marvel, or Star Wars universe over in the WW Radio Clubhouse at www.radio.com slash clubhouse. You can also connect with me on social. I am at Lou Mangiello on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Please also like the WW Radio page on Facebook at facebook.com slash WW Radio. Turn on notifications so you don't miss a thing, including our Wednesday night WW Radio live show every Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. I'll either be live from the home studio talking about this week's show and what is new and news in Walt Disney World, taking your questions and calls, playing some fun, interactive games, and lots more. Again, that's every Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern at www.radiolive.com. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, you can email me, lou at www.radio.com, or call the voicemail with a question, a comment, talk about this week's show, or just a hello from the parks at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WDW1, and I will play it on the show. And of course, as much as I love connecting and talking with you online, nothing beats a handshake and a hug, so check out our events page at www.radio.com slash events. There you'll find out about our next Meet of the Month in Walt Disney World, upcoming cruises, adventures by Disney, on-the-road events, and much more. Please also visit loumangelo.com to find out how I can help you turn what you love into what you do or coming to speak to your business, event, conference, or school. I also host a number of events in Walt Disney World and on the road, including my Momentum Weekend Workshop in Walt Disney World this fall and my 10-person Momentum Retreat coming up this spring. From Friday to Sunday, April 28th through the 30th, a small group of like-minded entrepreneurs gather for a weekend retreat in a 10-bedroom vacation home to work on your business and your personal life in a focused, fun environment. To make the retreat as effective and impactful as possible, it is limited to only 10 people, and right now there are only two seats left. You can learn more and secure your spot and take advantage of the super-duper early bird discount, which is $200 off your ticket until February 25th by visiting loumangelo.com retreat. Special thanks as always to Mouse Fan Travel, my official and recommended travel provider. 
It's who I refer to you because it's who I use, but more importantly, who I trust to give you not only the best possible prices, all available discounts, but most importantly, the incredible level of personal service. They treat you like you are family, which for me is not only what makes them different, but what makes them special. You can go and visit them, get a free new obligation quote over at mousefantravel.com. And if you like the show, and I hope that you do, all I ask that you please help spread the word. Tell a friend about the show. Share a link to this or your favorite episode on social. Better yet, take a screenshot of you listening to the show on your phone. Share it on social. Tag me at Lou Mangiello. Invite your friends to listen, and I will share and follow back. And also, if you can, take just a couple of seconds to rate and review the show, not just in your podcast player. If you can head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a quick review there. I want to thank some recent reviewers like Sam Gels, who says, the host is very good at interviewing people. It's one of the greatest podcasts I've ever heard. Sam, thank you very much. And finally, most importantly, thank you, thank you, thank you. None of this happens without you. I know how limited and valuable your time is, and I appreciate you spending and sharing it with me. And always remember that every day might not be great, and every day might even be good, but there's something good in every day. All you have to do is look for it. Choose the good, be the positive light, be the positive change, and I hope that this week is your best week ever. I'll see you here next week on the live show on Wednesday and in the WW Radio Clubhouse. So until next time, see ya. Hey, Lou, it's Jim Smith calling from Boston, Mass. Hey, just finished listening to your uh, your favorite pizza in Walt Disney World episode, and I have to say I fully agree with you regarding Blaze Pizza and especially with Anthony for being a part of their rewards program. So it's called Flames is what you earn, and uh, I, I go all the time uh, in, in Boston. I was actually quite bummed because I was three-quarters of the way to a free pizza uh, when the pandemic hit, and unfortunately all those flames expired. And I had to start uh, new when I started back to work again a few months ago. Uh, but I have now been going semi-regularly again. I actually am due for my free pizza. I've got 120 flames accumulated. It gets me on my free pizza. Um, it is kind of funny. My kids, my family, they tease me because I go to Blaze Pizza fairly often. And I brag about it when I do. Uh, but I do enjoy it. I, I love the different options. And to be honest, and, and just like Anthony and, and all your guests, Sometimes I just like to do a, a regular cheese pizza, and Blaze has a nice little bit of uh, the little char on the bottom. They do it right there in the, in the oven, and uh, it's perfect. And the drinks are fantastic, especially the the, the strawberry lemonades and all the different uh, juice mixes. They have a perfect spot to go um, in Boston as well as Disney Springs. All right. Thanks, Lou. Have a great day. Take care. Bye. Hi, Lou. It's Christine Morrison from Flowertown, Pennsylvania. Let's try this again. Of course, when I tried to get on the phone. Um, I was listening to a podcast, and they're talking about how is the new retheming of Splash Mountain, how is that Tiana's Bayou going to kind of fit into um, Frontierland? And I had a really good idea. Two things. They could have some sort of reference to Tiana being a member of the SEA that would kind of tie her back to Adventureland and Frontierland. Um, and I could so see her being a member of the SEA because she's very adventurous and wants to get out there and discover. Um, and then I think it would be awesome. I immediately thought of a an upscale restaurant that's kind of like Tiffin's, but it's Tiana's, um, I feel like Magic Kingdom could benefit from a really nice fine dining establishment um, and make it like Tiana's restaurant that she was, you know, um, that she opened at the end of the film. So anyway, those are my two ideas. I'm sure somebody's thought about Tiana being an SEA member, um, but I think that would be a really, really cool way to tie her in to that area of the park. Anyway, I apologize for my previous voicemail, <laughs> hazards of the job, but have a wonderful day and make someone smile, and I will see you all in the box on Wednesday night. Take care. Bye. Hey, Lou, it's Patrice Roberti from Boston, Mass. I just heard the latest podcast today on music at Disney, and uh, thank you. I just wanted to call you. I think calls are easier for you than emails, so I just thought I would call you and 
say thank you. I'm honored. I am sure you get many, 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 many calls and honored that you chose to use one of mine. I do love Wally very dearly, and I do hope you do a two-part uh, a podcast on him sometime. Now, the reason I, I think I wanted to mention, there was a man whose call you used in that show who said how unique you were. I've listened to a lot of radio over the years and a lot, a lot of podcasts lately, and you are unique. You are very genuine, very honest, and I never, ever, ever, and I've listened to a lot now since last August, get the feeling that you're trying to uh, be a shill for anything uh, at all, and most podcasters fall into that fairly quickly for the do-re-me. So I'm glad that you don't do that. It keeps the, your podcast super unique. You are super, super, uh, it's so, you know, it's so consistent over years. You're amazing that way. And I don't know if you do the production yourself, but I know a little bit about radio and radio production. And if you're doing it yourself, you're an amazingly good producer because you have a subtle touch and it always it works well. And if, if you're not producing it, who's ever doing it is doing a great job. And if it's you, you're doing a great job. So thank you again. It's snowing here. I suspect it's not snowing in Florida. It's snowing here in Boston. But uh, they say it's only 60 days till spring. I'm actually counting to the 1st of March myself. Take care. Thank you again. Bye.